together and sing together. We're going to sing a couple of songs, and the first song that we are going to sing is Faith is the Victory. If you have a hymnal at home, you can turn to page 608, and some of us may already know it. Faith is the Victory. Left behind 
faith is the victory. Faith is the next one is a personal favorite of mine hymn 341 to god be the glory great things he has done Jesus the Son and 
Sabbath, everyone. It is a great thing to be here on this Sabbath day, uh, celebrating with many of you. Um, Sister Petty, it's your birthday, is it not? Happy birthday to you. Uh, Dr. C, who is here, it's his birthday also today. Uh, spending the day in service, being there with one of our seniors. Thank you so much. Uh, Sister Dominique, it was your birthday yesterday. Uh, I remember that. Uh, and those who are celebrating those who are celebrating near and far, uh, happy birthday to you. For those who are celebrating anniversaries, uh, you know, I wish you all the best. Is there anyone here that's celebrating an anniversary today? I see your hand back there, Sister English. Is that Sister? That's Sister English back there. Celebrating their anniversary. Uh, this month is their anniversary. Uh, folks, we have uh, our, uh, my birthday just passed, our anniversary just passed, my wife's birthday is coming. We have to have a big celebration in this church. Um, for those, don't get jealous, your time is coming, your time is coming, uh, but we need to celebrate that time together. For those who are here, I know that uh, we are practicing social distancing, and, uh, and so we ask that you please keep your, your mask on as we continue to worship here. Um, just as a safety precautions, we know that there are still new variants of this illness. We're still not completely clear as yet, yet we are together. And that is a blessing that we're all here together to be able to worship. Uh, I want to thank you so much uh, for being here and to begin this series tonight at 7.30. However, we're going to stay on the same theme and give you like a little uh, touch of what it's going to be like uh, throughout this series. Is that all right? Uh, faith over fear. Faith over fear. 
want to thank our evangelistic team here at church uh, for being able to uh, explore even the possibility of having a series in a pandemic or coming out of a pandemic. Uh, we have a guest here. As I turn to my right, I see Sister Hodge is back. Uh, for those who don't know Sister Hodge, uh, she has impacted the lives of so many individuals in this church and in this community and in this world, dare I say. And so I thank you so much. I asked her this morning, are you back for good? Uh, she said, no, I've got to go back. And I, I, I just put my head down. I said, oh, no. No, no. Uh, but we know that God has a, has a place, you know, we, we've got to be able to share. We've got to be able to share, and you're doing a marvelous ministry. Uh, but we do miss you here, um, and I've heard so much about the ways that you have impacted this church for many years, and so it's good to have you back uh, with us here worshiping today. Uh, for those who are visiting with us, if this is your first time at TAB, welcome, and I hope it's not your last time at TAB. You will continue to keep this as your home. Um, we are a family church. We welcome each and every one of you as families uh, being here. Whether you are a single person coming into this church, you are family. Uh, once you set foot in these doors, through these doors, uh, know that you are counted as family. And so I thank each and every one of you for being here. Now on that note, I'm going to invite you to please turn in your word this morning on the theme of faith over fear. Turn in your word this morning to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17, 1 Samuel chapter 17, and I'll read a few verses there as we continue to dive into God's word today. 1 Samuel chapter 17, that well-known narrative, we're going to explore there uh, some truths from God's word. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verses 1 onward, the Bible says, now the Philistines gathered to their armies together to battle and were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephesdemim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with the valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and a shield-bearer went before him. Verse 8 said, Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. And if he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. 
When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. For the next little while, we'll speak on the topic, faith over fear. Faith over fear. Shall we pray together? Father in heaven, Lord, give us a word today. May we know, O oh God, that you desire for us to have faith in you, to know that we don't have to encounter or even have to be, be scared about anything, to be fearful. But Lord, give us the strength that we need to trust you. And in the end, O oh God, may we praise you. So speak today through this person that you have created, this piece of clay. When it's all said and done, may all praise be given to you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. I don't know about you, but I've had moments where I've been afraid. And I know possibly you've had moments that you have been afraid. Um, some of those things that I'm really scared of are like snakes. Anyone here afraid of snakes? Yeah, I don't like those things. In fact, in fact, whenever I see a snake, I, I get scared. But, but I'm able to contain it over the years when I'm able to see so many snakes. I'm able to contain it now to, to deal with it to some degree. And there are often times that there are certain things that we encounter that scares us, that allows for us to be fearful. So that's what this series is about. We're talking about faith over fear. Because whenever things come against us that we're scared of, we've got to be able to respond. So, so I, rem I remember, I remember when, when I was in high school that news had circulated about a fight that was going to happen. Anyone ever heard about, about a fight? Whenever there's a fight about to happen, something takes place. You find when the news circulates that all of the students usually gather around waiting for the moment. Am I right or wrong? You've got to respond to me now. Help me out here. When, when individuals begin to, to gather, when there is a fight, uh, uh, you know, usually we already know who's going to win the fight. And that day, there was the, the, the largest guy in the school uh, whose name was, was Robert. And he was about to fight the smallest guy in the school who we called Spike. I don't even remember his name. I just remember him as Spike. And Robert, we all knew, was such a bully, he was going to destroy Spike. But we all gathered in anticipation. We knew we were going to hear screams. We knew we would see blood, not from Robert, but from Spike. We anticipated it. And like all of the students who gathered around and made a circle, we made the circle, the perfect circle, and they were both inside of the circle. And someone in the circle yelled out, and you can imagine, what did they yell? Fight. Fight. And when that chant begins to, to, to be heard and they keep saying, fight, fight, all of the emotions begin to arise. And I saw, saw Robert, his arms beginning to tense up and, be, and his fists beginning to clinch. And he was staring at little Spike, looking down upon him. And Robert immediately was the guy who was going to take the first swing. And guess what? He did. He, he swang with all of his might. But something happened that day. He missed. And he stumbled. And he fell. And little Spike didn't wait for a beat. He jumped on him, sat on his chest, and he started swinging. And immediately I heard the screams. I saw blood, not from Spike, but Big Robert, 
who everyone saw as a bully who was crying for his mama. My friends, I've got news for you today that sometimes when we are fearful, there are many times when the enemy comes against us that we're thinking that we can't make it, we can't do it, but with God all things are possible. And just like little Spike who was able to take down his enemy on that day, God is going to help us to take down our enemy. Hello, someone? So travel with me, travel with me, travel with me for a little while into this narrative. And if you've ever been in a situation where you have been fearful, where you have been not expected to overcome or not expected to survive, not expected to win, then you would identify with this narrative. There are many times where the ratio or the probability of our success are next to none, where we encounter seemingly insurmountable opposition, where, where we're in situations where we should be fearful because we are not expected to succeed, we're not expected to flourish, we're not expected to progress. No one expects for us to win. Sometimes we're in situations where even those who should be supporting us and rooting for us will bet against us. Sometimes we're passed over by others, left in the shadows. And sometimes people will wait us out, hoping that we fail so that they can just stand back and say, I knew it. I knew you were up to, to no good. I knew you would amount to nothing. I knew that you couldn't be, be a success. I knew that you would fail. Sometimes people will wait you out to try and say, hey, I knew that you would not amount to anything. But they will try and ridicule you. They'll try and chastise you. They'll talk bad about you. Hello, somebody. But when it seems that you are stuck in a rut and you can't get out, when it seems like you are, you are there and in that position and you can't move ahead, I've got good news for you that no matter how much it may seem that you're stuck in a situation, that God has promised that he is never going to forsake you, he's never going to leave you in that situation. Our God is a help, my friends. When everything else begins to crumble around you, he will step in and give you that peace that you need and give you the endurance that you need to be able to carry on times it may seem like the whole world is against you. But the truth is, the truth is this. Maybe you would have failed. Maybe you would have, have fallen. Maybe you would have given up. Maybe you would have quit if it wasn't for the fact that God said, if I be for you, then who can be against you? Maybe you, you would have given up a long time ago if it wasn't for the fact that, that God said that I, uh, if, if, if I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Probably you would have quit if it wasn't for the fact that God said, Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. So travel with me 15 miles southwest of Bethlehem. Israel's army is camped out on a mountain. And they've been there for 40 days, fearing for their life. They're on a mountain, and the Philistine army is on the other side of the mountain. And there is a valley, Elah, that separates them. And Israel is arranged in, in battle ranks. This is a, a war. This is a battle that they're in. They're geared up now to fight. And they begin to march down this mountain into the valley where they're supposed to meet the other army. The trumpet is sounded. And, and, and then they begin to descend down the mountain. The battle cry is, is, is lifted, and they're ready to fight. But there is a problem. Do you know what the problem is? 
the Philistine army doesn't descend to fight. Instead, in the distance, what we see is this giant of a man walking down the mountain, and he begins now to scream out to this army. Goliath is his name. He's over nine feet, nine inches tall. Nine feet, nine inches tall. And usually soldiers, soldiers would have helmets of leather. But this man's helmet is made out of bronze, the Bible says. His coat has bronze sewn into the leather. And it looks as if he is like a big fish or having fish scales on his armor that weighs, and hear this, 125 pounds. Strapped on his back is a bronze javelin used for throwing at his enemies. He holds a spear in his hand, and the head of the spear alone is over 17 pounds. Here is his shoes on his feet is made out of brass. My friends, my friends, this man, in fact, has someone to carry his shield into battle. And he begins to march down the mountain and looks over at Israel's army, and he cries out to them. And verse 10 picks it up. He cries out to them, and the Bible says, And the Philistines said, I defy the armies. I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man, he says, that we may fight together. His voice echoes throughout the valley. And fear and fear and fear and panic begins to settle in the hearts of the Israelite army. And Israel's, and Israel's army turns and retreats because they're terrified to fight. Morning and evening, this man would come out and challenge the army of God to battle. And for 40 days, they're camped out on a mountain afraid to fight. My friends, we're talking about faith over fear. And one of the first things that we've got to do in order to overcome fear is to look back at our past successes. I was trying hard to understand why an army and a people who was able to witness so many victories in the past would now be stuck on a mountain. Israel should have learned from their past. In fact, in, fact, in Numbers chapter 13 and verses 31 to 33, that's where they had the result of the spies that they sent into to, to survey the promised land. And when the spies came back, they said, no, we can't conquer this land because there are giants there. And, and, and even though they were told that they can conquer the land, God said, go and inhabit, go and take over this land. They were scared because of giants. And now, now they're stuck, they're stuck on a mountain for 40 days while they were stuck in the wilderness for 40 years because of giants. Now they're stuck up on a mountain because of one giant. My friends, they should have remembered that God had defeated giants in the past. In fact, Joshua chapter 12 and verses 4 lets us know that they will have the success that is needed because all the giants will be defeated. And if God can defeat giants in the past, certainly he can defeat this one giant. But it amazes me, it amazes me how some of us today can be stuck in certain situations because of one small giant. Now, now come a little bit closer so I can talk to you about this giant because a giant is anything that stands in the way of being what God wants you to be and being where God wants you to be. A giant, my friends, my friends can be lust, 
A giant can be envy. A giant can be an addiction. A giant can be abuse. A giant can be backbiting. A giant can be pornography. A giant can be pride. A giant can be lying or even stealing or jealousy or covetousness or fornication or even adultery. A giant is anything that stands in between you and a relationship with God. But my friends, the Bible lets us know that all giants can be defeated. Whatever giant you're struggling with right now, just know that we can declare in the name of Jesus that the giant will fall. That all shackles that's holding you right now shall be loosed. And God has promised that he will break all bondage on his people. He will release you from all fear. My friends, here we find that God has promised that we can have life and have it more abundantly. We don't have to fear anything because God is the one who's going to take care of our fears. And he will allow for us to see that if we just come to him boldly, we can go forward with faith, believing that anything we put our mind to shall be accomplished. Goliath is carrying on with his antics, and the narrative, in fact, shifts. For those who are reading along, the narrative actually takes a shift. And all focus now focuses, all focus is now shifted to a place called Bethlehem. There is a lesson there for us, too, you know. Because in the moments that we're fearful, some of us have got to shift our focus. There are sometimes we, we encounter fear, and all it takes is for us to step back and begin to shift our focus. In verse 12, we're given a short genealogical uh, reference to a young man whose name is David. Why? Because the chances of David being picked to be king is next to none. In fact, in fact he was the youngest in his household. He was only concerned about his music. He was only uh, about his, his serving. In fact, David is so young, he has a little part-time job tending sheep. No one expects for him to amount to anything. They're thinking, wow, he's just a teenager. What does he know? He's just a tween. What does he know? He doesn't know anything. How can he be king? But you might remember when Samuel, you might remember when Samuel, the prophet, traveled to his hometown looking for a king and went into David's household, and he came into, into the house of Jesse, and everyone that Samuel picked to be king, he said, it must be him, it must be him, and God said no. But God then chooses this young man whose name is David. My friend, even when people reject us, even when people would not expect for it to be us. My friends, the point is that in order for us to overcome fear is to realize that God has chosen us. Okay, I told you that we got to re remember the way to overcome fear is to reflect on your past successes. Remember that God has taken you from a mighty long way and all the things he did for you. But also it's to remember that God has chosen you. He is the one that called you. In fact, Jeremiah reminds us that before you were even born, God chose you. He has ordained you. He has called you. That's why even when individuals thought that you should not have been born, God saw fit to allow for you to come into existence. Your birth is not an accident. This young boy, David, is sent by his father to bring food to his brothers. So picture David with me. It is early in the morning. He picks up a basket filled with parched corn and straps a five-gallon basket to his back. 
He holds the bread tightly in one hand and the cheese in the other. Yes, I said cheese. As he walks the dusty roads, roads of Bethlehem down the, the pasture and into the forest for the 15-mile journey, he approaches this mountain where the army is encamped. He hears the battle cry. He sees the army of God lined up for battle, and David knows that they're going to win. How come? Because David has faith to believe that if God took care of their enemies in the past, certainly he's going to take care of this situation. David is excited to see God's army in battle. The army descends down the mountain, and David knows that they will win. David has faith to believe it. God is on their side. They can't lose this battle. But suddenly, David realizes there is a problem. The army, in fact, stops. And a giant appears, and the soldiers of Israel's, Israel begins to retreat up the mountain. In fact, the giant all of a sudden appears and begins begins to yell out some things to the army, and the army now begins to be fearful and is paralyzed. Now, now I shared with you when we had the prayer session that, that, that I saw one of those documentary films with the animal, one of those animals, I believe it was a gazelle or a deer, and, and when it encountered the lions, it was so paralyzed with fear that they began to eat it, and it was just standing there. And it began to rip off his tail and chew it, and yet the animal would not run because it's paralyzed. And that's what fear does to us many times. When we become so frightened at the situation that we're encountering, we can't run. We forget everything about who we are. And the enemy, meanwhile, is laughing. And all we have to do, my friends, is to reflect on the fact that God is the one who took care of us in the past. And if we just trust him, we will see that he'll work everything out. But we don't just stay there paralyzed. When the soldiers of Israel saw Goliath, they thought to themselves, he's so big that we can never kill him. When David saw Goliath, he thought to himself, he's so big I cannot miss him. My friends, fear will paralyze us, but faith will mobilize us. David is confused. How in the world could the army of the Lord run away? In verse 26, David begins to speak to them and say to them, Look, has the king offered anything? Is there any, anything of offer that, that we can have that will allow for someone who's in the army to go and fight this man? And what David realizes is that everything was promised. They were promised great riches. They were promised even the king's daughter. Their family would be exempt from taxes. Hello, somebody. Their family would be exempt from taxes. Can you imagine a world where you don't have taxes, where you have the king's daughter, where you have all the great riches? All you have to do is to take down Goliath. And none of them take the challenge. No soldier agrees to fight because they're paralyzed in fear. To overcome fear, we've got to reflect on our past successes. We've got to remember that God has chosen us. And we've got to refuse, this is the one, refuse to listen to negative people. If you're going to overcome any fearful moment, you've got to refuse to listen to naysayers. All right, let me get a little bit happy now. There are some individuals who will, will keep you in certain positions because of their words. You will amount to nothing. You will go nowhere. 
You would do nothing because of what they have said. Hello, someone? All right, you don't believe me. Let me get a little bit real with you. There are some individuals, whenever I visit in the Caribbean islands, all right, there are some individuals that you pass by on a daily basis, and they're in the same spot. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You may go away for two, three years, and then you go back, and you pass by that same store, that same spot, and you will see them sitting in the same chair. They have never grown. They have never changed. They have never moved. They have never explored. They have never experienced anything. They're just in the same spot, and those same individuals always have something to say about you. And you will listen to their advice when they haven't done anything in their entire life. My friends, there are negative people who will try to, to cram you, who will try to keep you down, who will try to keep you in your place. And without it, you will become infected like their, with their negativity like a cancer. Before long, you take on their characteristics and begin to speak like them and begin to pattern their ways. And before long, you're sitting by the roadside just like them, not going anywhere, not doing anything, and they will turn around and say, look at you. God has promised that his people should not live in fear, should not be paralyzed or stuck in a situation, but we need to go forward in faith. You have to be cautious of negative people. They're so negative, they'll wear you out. They'll bring you down. They will leave you hopeless. And the fact is, you can find them everywhere. Some, you can find at your jobs. Some, you can find at your schools. Some, you can even find at your church. Help me, Jesus. And some, you may even find, God forbid, in your homes. If you keep listening to them long enough, you will never go anywhere never do anything, never amount to anything, because negative people will always be about nothing. But David didn't listen to them. His brother told him, why did you come down here? Why did you, why did you make your way down here? You just want to see the battle, David. Everyone expected David to be of no good. This young man, they didn't expect much of him. In fact, in, in verses 32 and 33, uh, here, is what, here is what happened. Not only was his brother a hater, but here is the king, King Saul. And when you're reading these narratives, there are often times you have to take a step back because God shows you some new stuff, right? And here is something where I began to get a little bit upset. Verse 32, 32 and 33 says, Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail him fail because of him. That's talking about Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth. Are you seeing it? So now he's despising his youth, the fact that he's young. And he says, and Goliath has been a man of war from his youth. So he says, look, David, you can't fight this guy. There is no way. He's just too big. He's too tough. He's too strong. He's a battle, battle arrayed man. He will destroy you, David. And here I began to say, here is this king trying to tell this young man that he can't do something when in fact he himself is just scared. Yeah. And how do I know? Because guess what? 
Saul was chosen because he was tall, dark, and handsome. You don't believe me? Saul was chosen because he was tall, dark, and handsome. Now, you don't, you don't believe me. All right, let's turn. 1 Samuel chapter 9, 1 Samuel chapter 9, and verses 2. 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verses 2. Here is what the, the text says. And he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Are you seeing it? Here is Saul, who is a handsome man, who is chosen because of his stature, because of his built, because of his pedigree, because of the way that he looks. But when God chooses someone, he chooses someone not based on how they look. He chooses based on the heart. Here is someone who is a giant in his own right. Saul is among, towering over the entire army, among all the people. He is a giant himself, and yet he is chosen to fight this man, Goliath, and he's scared. And he chooses someone who he thinks in his mind is going to lose. He jeopardizes the army. He jeopardizes his kingdom and places it in the hands of someone he thinks is incapable of being able to hold it. But when God chooses someone, he makes no mistakes. God took this young man that everyone expected to fail, this young man that everybody expected to quit, this young man that everybody expected to lose, and God changed the whole situation that is supposed to be one of fear into one of success. My friends, here we have a perfect example of faith because here it is that, that David did not think about it as a fearful moment. All he saw was an opportunity, and we've got to think about moments of fear as moments of opportunity. He's given the armor of Saul in verse 38. Can you believe the king places his own armor on David? Can you imagine this young man trying to fit on an armor of a big man? Here he is trying to stand as a, a warrior, and the armor is just too big. But David says something in the text. He says, this armor is not proven. I mean, I was shocked. This armor is not proven. How is it that this is the king's armor and there has been many battles before and the king's armor is not proven? The king has been scared a long time. He has been fearful and his armor has not been tested because he hasn't even fought in one. Surely, if God could deliver David from a lion and a bear, then certainly he could deliver him from this giant. For, for, for what I realize is that this is not David's fight. And here it is, folks. I told you to encounter and overcome fear. You've got to remember a few things, but this is the, the main one, is to realize or recognize that the battle is not yours, but it belongs to God. 
Goliath is called the champion in verses 4 and verses 23. I expected the word champion to mean one who is victorious. He, he has fought many battles, so he is victorious. I was shocked to realize that this word actually means go-between or one who stands in the gap. In other words, Goliath is known or taking on the role of an advocate or a redeemer. This is the problem, my friends, because therefore what we're basically seeing in the text is that Goliath is now no longer just being a person who is in the army. No, he's claiming to take the role of Christ. He is the go-between. He's the advocate. He is the redeemer of his people. And there can only be one. So this fight was no longer just between David and Goliath. This fight was between Goliath and God. David goes down now, and, and he, he, he throws on the heavy armor, throws down the heavy armor that he has, and he picks up his little shepherd's staff and begins to run down the mountain. Can you see the faith right here? Here is a young man who throws off armor, his protection, and he begins to run down the mountain to meet the enemy head on. My friends, we don't need to fear for anything because God is with us. When God is with us, we can fight any battles. He begins to run straight towards the enemy. Ellen White in Patriots and Prophets, page 647, says that Goliath, when he saw David, he cursed every, every god to his knowledge at David. Goliath is offended that they would send a small boy to fight him. He laughs and he mocks this boy with a shepherd's stick in his hand. Am I a dog, he says, that you come out to beat me with sticks? But Goliath's arrogance gets him in trouble. Ellen White mentions that Goliath pushed his helmet just enough to expose his forehead when he saw young David. As Goliath came near to him, David runs with his sling and stone and lets it go. Now, in fact, what you have to realize is that David went down and he picked up five stones. Someone asked the question, why is it that David picks up five stones? Well, you have to remember that Goliath had brothers. So it was one stone for every brother. David was smart because he knew that God was going to take down every single one of those giants. And later on in life, you find that David had to slay some of the, his, Goliath's brothers. So you find out David, my friends, was prepared for whatever was going to come against him. Now, 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 there is a part to this. When, 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 when David lets go the stone in the air, remember, Goliath was claiming to be the champion. That stone was guided not by David. David wasn't that marksman. He wasn't that accurate. He was just a young man. Imagine this young man trying to hit a giant in the head with a stone. Would that really have taken care of him? Absolutely not, my friends. Maybe that would have just stunned, stunned him. But here, when it's guided, not by the hand of David, but by the hand of God. So what we can see, my friends, or what we don't see is the fact that God must have guided that rock. God certainly guided that rock. And when Goliath pushed his helmet up just enough with all of his armor, God took that rock and he stuck it right in the forehead of that giant, made him fall right on the ground, knocked him out. In fact, the text lets us know that his hands were lifted in the air. That's praise. So even your enemies will have to praise the fact that God is all-powerful. 
He fell down, my friends. And here is the part that almost every minister omits to tell this part of the story. In verses 51 and 54, the Bible says this. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. Are you hearing this? I know this is not the story you want to always read to the kids, this part. We always tell them the good part of the story. But this, my friends, is very important. Verses 54, we go to it. Verse 54 says, says this, And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem and put his armor in his tent. Can you imagine? David is there with the head of the giant, walking for miles with the head of the giant to prove that he has conquered that which everyone was fearful about. Now, 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 there is, there is a moment of shout right here because while I'm in the office and we're reading over this story over and over again, I'm here and I'm shouting at this point because here it's not no longer talking about Goliath and David. This is not a fight between them anymore. This is now pointing to the Savior. Hello, can I get, can I get a witness in here? This is no longer about a giant and a little boy. This is about Jesus. Hello, somebody. This is about Jesus. Play something for me. Play something for me. This is about King Jesus. Because what you have here in the story is talking about what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. When we are fearful, when we were stuck, when we were in sin, when we were in bondage, when we were, when we were, when we were, when we were destitute, we didn't know how in the world we're going to get out of this situation. Here it talks about it. We were just like the children of Israel, stuck on a mountain. But then there was a champion, an advocate, a redeemer, a go-between, whose name is Jesus, who comes right in the nick of time when everybody else is scared and thought, what in the world we're going to do? Here comes Jesus. Says, just like David, I'm going to take care of this problem. That's why the Bible lets us know that David is, is a friend of God. He's, he's one who is after God's own heart because here he's pointing he's the type of Christ in the Old Testament he comes in as the go-between and he destroys the enemy and he holds the head of the enemy and he, he carries the head of the enemy so that everybody can see here is what Jesus does he came in and we were stuck destroys the enemy he's our go-between stood in the gap stretched out his hand and destroyed the enemy that's why, that's why he holds the head of this serpent who's been trying to destroy God's people. And he's able to hold this head. And although this serpent is still beating around as if he's still got action, he's dead because Jesus crushed his head. My friends, that's the good news. We don't have to be afraid of anything. We don't have to be scared of anything because God is with us. I shared with you our experience traveling from one location in the U.S. to, to Portland. My son, I told him before we took the trip, we don't have to be scared. Just act like the turbulence, if we encounter any, is like a roller coaster. My son, trust me, while we were on the trip, there came the turbulent times just outside of Colorado. For those traveling out of Denver knows many times, especially in the wintertime, that it gets very bumpy in that part of the country. And the plane was going up and down. 
Then there was this man who was there screaming in the back of the plane because you know it gets, it gets turbulent. And some people get uneasy. They see their life flash before their eyes. They think about their, their bank account and how, what they would, would, would no longer have access to. And now they're, they're, they're staring death in the face and he was scared, screaming. And the flight attendant went back there and said, you have two choices, sir. You can either scream like a little girl or you can sit here and be quiet. And he chose the first choice. He continued to scream like a little girl. But my son, every time we dipped, every time the turbulent time came, you hear, wee, wee. Like I shared with you, I turned to him and I said, man, after we got, got in that flight and we landed, I said, weren't you afraid? He said, Dad, didn't you hear? The pilot said, there are clear skies in Portland. I said, yeah. He said, but if the pilot says there are clear skies in Portland, it doesn't matter what turbulence we have. There are clear skies in our destination. We don't have to be afraid of anything. And I said, you're right, sir. So I'm sharing this with you. Do you trust our Lord? Do you trust the fact that God has said there are brighter, day, brighter days ahead? He's going to take care of us. We don't have to be fearful of anything. We just have to trust him. He has promised that he's going to take care of us. We don't have to be scared because God is here with us. Any situation that comes against us right now, God is going to take care of it. So whatever problems you're going through, whatever problems you're going through, whatever situation you're going through, just know that we serve a God who has promised and he doesn't fail on his promises. Hear these words, hear these words. Words speak.
into your heart right now. I don't know what situation you're going through. Maybe it is that you have some pressing matters. Maybe it may even feel like the walls are closing in on you. You might be afraid. Thinking, God, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation. I don't know how I'm going to free myself. I don't know who I can align myself with to be able to find relief from this situation right now. But one thing I know for sure is that God has promised that if you just trust him, if you have faith to believe that he's going to step in, indeed he will. So I'm asking you of this right now, whatever situation you're in, whatever circumstance you're enduring right now, that you promise to trust God. For those under the sound of my voice, if you just promise to trust God, can you just raise your hands with me? You just promise to trust Him. Whatever situation you're in, just trust Him. Just trust Him. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Those online, maybe your hands are lifted also. But you hear, you heard the message today. God's Spirit has been speaking to you personally about your mama, this is not about your daddy, this is not about your grandfather, grandmother, this is about you right now, your relationship with God, that you got to trust God, but you want to have that personal relationship with him, you want to be able to say, God, it's just you and me, I don't know about all the circumstances, I, I can't figure everything out right now, but I just want to trust you, I want to, I want to know, God, that I'm connected to you. If that's you right now, I'm going to invite you to go online. Fill out the card that is there. Let us know of your decision. Now, there are a few decisions that you need to make. For some, you need to come back to church, meaning that you need to assemble with individuals with a like mind. You need to say, you know what, God? I need to change my course of action, my, my way of living. I need to, to change my direction. If that is you right now, I'm going to invite you be a part of this church family. Those under the sound of my voice, you might be even here at church right now, and you want to say, God, I want to come home. For some individuals, you've been away for too long, and you need to return home, and God has been telling you that. You need to respond. There are others right now under the sound of my voice. You need to be baptized. You need to surrender your life to God. You've contemplated it. You've pushed it back. You've been to church, you've heard messages after messages, you've listened to online messages, you've gone to church, different churches in all different states and places, but now you need to make that connection yourself. It's not a playing around time, because you've done all of that, but now you need to secure your decision. And I'm inviting you, I'm inviting you personally to reach out to us. Let us know of your decision. We'll study with you. We'll pray with you. We'll prepare you for an upcoming baptism. We want to support you as a church family. For some of you have been in the church all your life and have not made that decision. This is your time. For others, you left the church and now you need to return. This is your time. For some, you just need to go down in that watery grave of baptism one more time because God has been speaking to you. For one reason or the other, it's like the devil has just been in your, on your back in your home and just been plaguing your life. You need to change something.
right now you need to come back to God and you need to say, God, take me as I am. If that is you right now, I'm inviting you to come. I'm inviting you to come. Those here, if you need to make that decision right now, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand with me. You need to make that decision right now. Those online, listening online, you need to make that decision right now. You and your entire household need to be baptized. If that is you right now, you make sure you contact us. We'll be sure to support you. We'll be sure to be there with you. We'll be sure to pray with you and for you. And we pray together, Father in heaven. Lord, we're just so thankful. You don't pass us by. You stand in the gap. You are our advocate. You are our redeemer. Lord, continue to fight our battles. And as we make our decision, and we secure our decision, we ask, oh God, that you would bless us, that you will keep us close to you. And for whatever issues we may have to encounter throughout this day or even this week, forgive us, oh God, and be there for us and fight on our behalf. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you very much,